CampusToCanton.com is taking it to another level. Starting August 28th, book in your college Saturday with the C2C team in every Saturday of the college football regular season. At 10 a.m. Eastern, come join the tailgate as we get you ready for the Saturday slate of games, start sits, players to keep an eye on, and college DFS lineups. Then the Late Show with Coast to Coast. We take you around the country to recap the significant fantasy performances, whose values increased or decreased the most, and those out-of-nowhere players that have to be considered for waivers. Do this right now. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. That's Campus, the number two, Canton, and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You don't want to miss what we have going on. The tailgate in the morning, coast to coast to tuck you in at night. CampusToCanton.com has you covered for the most anticipated college football season ever. Go do it now. Go to the YouTube page and subscribe. Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college uh, side of things here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. I shocked you with that, that intro. You did. <laughs> it was abrupt. I, I was. I came in hot there. I said, you ready? And I just fired it. Uh, so. <laughs> Catch and shoot. We're, we are so giddy tonight, guys, because college football is here. We had yes. football this weekend. There was only five games. I don't care. It, it made my Saturday. Uh, you know, it, it's nice to be back in season here. And this is our last episode uh, of our summer school series here, guys. We've made it through all the conferences. Uh, SEC is the one we're covering here today. As you can imagine, there are a lot of names to cover. We're not going to go as in-depth on all of them because I think um, some of them are kind of obvious, um, you know, the big names here. Um, and there's also a lot of news. A lot so, of news. Yes. I mean, the, the depth charts are rapid firing here. We're recording this on 830 here on, on Monday. Um, and it's I guess it's depth chart day. Um, so, yes, lots to talk about here. So um, shall we just jump right in here, Colin? Let's do it. Cool. All right, guys, before we start, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of them in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or you can check out their weekly Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. All right, Colin, lots of news here. This first piece of news, I think we've kind of danced around a little bit on this show. Uh, we talked a lot about it this week on the tailgates, uh, our uh, early morning Saturday show to get everybody ready for the week. Um, Hudson Card officially named the starter for week one for Texas. Um, this is your guy, Colin. I'm just going to hand it off to you. Take it take it from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we, we talked about it a lot on, on tailgate and and on the, the coast to coast shows. So uh, those are up on the YouTube page. Go check those out if you haven't yet already. Um, so I won't beat a dead horse here, but you know, vindication feels good. Um, sorry, Felix, but Hudson card officially named the starter. I have pretty lofty expectations for him this year. Uh, I think he's going to have a really nice fantasy year. He's going to bring a lot with his legs. Sark's going to make it easy for him with his arm. Um, I am. Yeah. Wheels up for wheels up for, for Hudson card stashing him all off season has paid off for me so far. 
so far. Yeah, we haven't seen him play yet, so we're gonna we're gonna be like week three, and Collins gonna be like, "Who's Hudson Card? I've never I've never heard of Hudson Card." Uh, as you know, Texas is one and two or something. Um, no, I mean, we talk. I think that this is the discussion that we should have right here, Colin, because we really didn't get to touch on this too much on the show. You said you said like the hottest take that I've ever heard you say, and I just totally disagree with this. So I, I want us to dive into this. You said that you think that Hudson card is going to be a back end QB one for this year for fantasy purposes. And I said like quarterback three is his ceiling. Chris said he's not in his top 40. So, I mean, I can understand thinking that there's some Debbie upside there. Uh, and we could, we'll leave that totally out of this argument for right now, but to say that, that he can be a QB one, that, that seems like a lot. It's a bit of a bold take. I probably maybe I should have used that as my bold take for the year. But uh, at that time, Hudson Card hadn't been named the starter. But what about yeah, extra mean, bold then? Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just I think that uh, Sark is going to make things easy for him on that offense. To be honest with you, I mean, he Sark, it, you know, plays to his QB strengths very well. Um, you know, he got uh, Mac Jones um, to be the uh, QB. 18 um, and Mac Jones pretty much just distributed the ball. Um, you know, I mean, he, he did well, he did a good job at it, but he, you know, he didn't really make too many flashy plays. He just got the ball in the hands of his playmakers. And yes, Bama's playmakers are way better than Texas's playmakers are. Um, but I, I like some of the options that Texas has on that offense. So I think he's, he's going to make it easy throwing the ball for card. You know, he recognizes his limitations and he's going to try and ease him in as best he can. And then Card also brings a pretty dynamic skill set with his legs. Um, now he's he does look to throw um, you know a fair amount when he breaks contain, um, at least from what I saw in his in his high school tape. But he's dynamic as a rusher, uh, very very quick twitch, can make guys miss. Um, so I think I wouldn't surprise me if if he had close to 500 rushing yards this year. That that's interesting. The 500 rushing yards. I think that's probably slightly higher than I would have him. Um, I like, I, I think the big thing it comes down to for me is that he's it, it the play that, the just the, the difference in playmakers between Bama and Texas, I think is the huge point there. I think, you know, there's a difference between throwing it to Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle for the first six games or whatever, John Mechie, Jaleel Billingsley, and then Najee Harris. And literally <laughs> like, you would take all those guys over whoever the top guy on Texas is. I mean, like, yeah, it, I, I really like Bijan. I think I don't know how much I, I, they're talking a big game with how much they want to use him in the passing game. We'll see if that happens or not. I I just uh, I don't think he's. How do I want to say this? He's going to finish behind a lot of the rushing quarterbacks because that's all they do. I think he'll finish like I let's not even talk about like a Malik Willis because that's just like that's not yeah that's 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 not the the stratosphere here we're talking about yeah. but like even a Dorian Thompson Robinson who looked like crap this week and we can kind of talk about that here when we we touch on this a little bit of a review for week zero like I think he has a better chance to finish uh, from a fantasy perspective because he's going to rely on his legs so much I think Card is competent enough as a passer to not solely rely on the legs but i don't think he's such a good passer that it elevates his upside to that level i think the highest i could see him hitting is like qb 20 and even that i think it had to have a lot of things go right 
for him to quite get up there. Do we want to make a show bet? I mean, we can make a show bet. Okay. Give me. Do you uh, want it to? We can even set it a little more conservative for you. Yeah, I was gonna say, give me, give me the twelve to fifteen range. Okay. Okay. Um. So you think he'll finish twelve to fifteenth or higher? Yeah. Points per game. Yes. Yes. Points okay. per game. Um. And I will say below that. Um. What will we do? What will the loser do? That's a great question. We. You just put me on the spot here. Um. I'm not gonna get kicked in the nuts like Matt. Uh, I don't have I don't have any kids. I would like some someday. So I'm not going to get kicked in the nuts. Plus, I know you're a soccer player. You got a strong leg. Um, so we're going to avoid that one. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll come up. We'll come up with something. OK, we'll have to come up with just like a standard show bet. Yeah. That, like, you know, we just toss out there. Um, OK, so we that is officially on the books. Everybody out there, write it down. Officially our the first, show bet. Our, our first show bet here of the season. Um, Joe Milton officially named the starter week one for Tennessee. I think we, we touched on this a few weeks ago, but it really does display the importance of being the guy that was hand chosen by the current coaching staff. Um, all the other guys, you know, Hooker transferred in this offseason, but he came in before uh, Hoople and the off and, and the rest of the staff there. Um, Harrison Bailey, you know, uh, leftover from the previous uh, group there. And they have um, another guy there too, who isn't, good i don't know uh, yeah mauer that's yeah, yeah something like that yes um so joe or no brian brian joe mauer was the catcher yeah. also a good uh, also a good football prospect though yeah yeah he was where, where was he recruited to go play florida state uh something like that it was a pretty big program yeah it was um yeah so they, i mean I, that just just highlights that It'll be really interesting to see because as we're about to talk about in a little bit here with Zach Charbonnet kind of breaking three free from the shackles that are Harbaugh at Michigan. Maybe Joe Milton does too. I don't know. I mean, Charbonnet looked good as a freshman. Joe Milton just Milton he had, had that game. game. He'll, he, he had, had that game. game. It was magical. That one night. <laughs> as, a nice, as, nice reference. As, as Hunter sings on the office. <laughs> nice, Made everything nice. all right that night. <laughs> nice um i mean i guess he has a guy he's a high ceiling we'll give him that uh whoever the starting quarterback is in a hypo offense has a high ceiling so you know maybe we don't necessarily need to write him off completely at this point but i would be surprised if he started every game this season for them every game yeah um i i really don't know um it feels like their quarterback isn't there right now and he's kind of trying to make the best they have they have Taven Taven Jackson, I believe, coming in next year. Who I watched him a couple like a couple months ago, and as soon as I turned it on, like I saw, I watched like a minute of him, and I was like, "This is a hypo quarterback." If I've ever seen one, he basically is slightly elevated Dylan Gabriel. He wasn't super aggressive in terms of trying to force things, uh, in, you know, in the short and intermediate. He had really good ball placement. He's more mobile than Dylan Gabriel was by just a tiny bit, and he's bigger than Dylan Gabriel. And he performed very well at Elite 11 as well. Um, I think that is the QB of the future at Tennessee, not not Joe Milton, not Hendon Hooker, not Harrison Bailey. Taven Jackson is the future quarterback there. So I think that is certainly something to pay attention to as the year goes on. Um, this is an interesting one, uh, and I think it's a bit misleading. Chesma Lucy was named the starting running back for Wisconsin. Um, Berger has been banged up so far for preseason. So I'm not sure this is a totally accurate. I mean, I heard Berger wasn't playing, and the back that actually looked like that had the most wow moments was Braylon Allen. 
but they said like he doesn't like pass protect or anything like he doesn't know the offense like he'll he probably won't touch the field this year but so like malusi probably is in reality like the third best back on the roster from the ball carrying standpoint right i think we needed to address this here because you saw a lot of uh a lot of eyes perk up when you saw Ches malusi is named the starter for wisconsin um, and it wasn't even an or situation like we see on some of these depth charts like we'll get into a little bit later um, he was listed on the first line, but like you said, Berger was banged up um, and just Ches Malusi by virtue of being a veteran uh, is already going to be favored at Wisconsin. Wisconsin is very much a school that likes to favor veterans, um, you know, or Berger who was, had been in the system last year as well, um, you know, probably would have gotten the, the most run. And I still think he will, you know, when he's back and fully healthy, I think he's going to get uh, the bulk of the carries there, but you know, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Um, he's probably rostered in, in places at this point. I think um, in a lot of leagues, he was getting taken in the, you know, the very, very end of the draft. Um, but if he's not, you know, go. I, I, th- I think you could you could have worse waiver wire ads. Um, I don't think he's worth rostering. I don't think he's worth rostering. Um, because we saw what happened last week when guys were kind of, or last year when guys were kind of banged up there, they usually like to have a guy last year, they rotated a lot. And I think it was because everybody was kind of not healthy slash like a revolving door of COVID guy. Like they, they, they had a huge thing with that. Um, I don't think Malusi is worth picking up unless you're just in a super deep league and you need a guy to start this week. Cause I don't think this is long-term and this is, I tweeted this out today, guys. These early season depth charts can be very misleading. I think panicking, like I'm not even advising selling Jalen Berger. No. I think you hold him. I don't even love Jalen Berger as a pro prospect. I think if someone's panicking and you can get a nice price for him, you can probably buy him right now. There's a lot of guys, yeah, as Colin said, we're going to talk about that. I, that. That is the takeaway from this. I th- do not panic on Jalen Berger. Because they're not going to pass the ball 40 times a game. We know that. So, you know, he'll come back from his injury. It's not like a long-term thing, and and things will be right again. Do not panic. Right. But at the same time, I do think Ches Malusi is worth picking up if he's on waivers. Because you don't always get the best options on waivers in 45-man leagues, especially if it's, you know, over 12 teams. Um and if he has the chance to be the starter for Wisconsin, I think that's worth something. So are you going to pick him up on our 24-teamer? He's already rostered. By you? No. Oh, okay. Carl. Uh, Good one, guy. Carl. I looked. <laughs> that guy. All right. Demarcus Bowman, not listed on the two deep at running back for Florida. And we talked a little bit about him again on the tailgate this week. Um, somebody uh, you know, in the live show asked, it, does he end up being the leading rusher there for him? I think the consensus for us was he probably touches the field a little bit, but no. And then now this is released today, so probably backs that up. He might be the most talented guy there. We don't know for sure. We, we haven't really seen any of him in college, um, but there's just a lot of seniority ahead of him. That's a tough a tough uh, depth chart to crack, even if none of them are like, you know, that guy. Yeah, it's... It... <sighs> I don't know. I don't really like the way that Dan Mullen uses his running backs typically. Um, I, I mean, he just, he doesn't really produce very, very many relevant running backs um, for a fantasy perspective. He kind of changes them up. Um, and, you know, Bowman not listed on the two deep, but 
it was um, Malik Davis and Damon Pierce listed on the first team as an or, and then Naquan Wright listed as a second team. So there were three running backs on that depth chart ahead of him. Um, so while he may be the most talented, and I still think he's a hold, you know, I'm not panic selling him like you're talking about, you know, this isn't anything to overreact to. If anything, more often than not, these depth charts create buying opportunities. But I, I, I'm not expecting any college production from him this year. If you get any startable weeks from him, that's just a bonus. Yeah, I don't think he's he's startable at all this year. That's a total stash. Um, he's lucky that we don't care that much about running back uh, breakout age because he will be a third-year guy by the time he really touches the field, and that's assuming that everybody that's in front of him leaves with these COVID years. I don't know what the heck's going on. Um, so I don't think I like that Florida offense this year. I don't think I have very many pieces of it anywhere. Because I don't think Emory Jones can really support a consistent wide receiver. They have so many running backs that I'm just... I don't know if I'm going to be comfortable ever starting any of them. The, you know, the tight end, you know, they're replacing Kyle Pitts. I just don't feel good about any of them. I don't, I don't like the talent wide receiver very much either. You know, I kind of like Jacob Copeland, but I don't really care for Xavier Henderson. I don't really care for um, Justin Shorter. I don't really care. Like Marcus, Marcus Burke, Burke, maybe I'll stash, but he's not going to touch a field this year, really. I don't know. Yeah, I think Burke is still worth a stash. Um, Copeland, I like I like as well, like you mentioned, but I wouldn't expect a ton of production from him this year just because I don't trust um, Emory Jones to to support fantasy options, like you said. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've been doing these quick hits over the past couple of weeks. We have a lot of quick hits tonight. Um, some of them will we'll say one line and that's it. Some of them maybe we'll talk for a minute or so. But Eric Gilbert's still not with the team. There's no timetable to return there. Trey Bradford, this is an interesting one, reportedly is heading back to LSU, um, according to his dad on an OU message uh, board. <laughs> was that Nate that sent us that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Nate Marquise, uh, friend of the show. Um, very, uh, very good follow. Um, yes. At CFF, CFF Nate. Nate. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, great, great follow. Uh, yeah. He he filled us in on that, that Bradford. And because this is actually the, the more interesting piece of right. it, because the rule is for whatever the rule setup is, you have to have played. He's immediately eligible. We'll phrase it like this. He is immediately eligible when he goes back to LSU because he needed to play 15 practices at Oklahoma to um, keep or to, like to lose that immediate eligibility. And he only played 13, which is, I did not know that was a rule. That's yeah, very either. bizarre. So this is going to prompt a bigger question, I think, here, actually. I, I don't necessarily want to talk about the situation. I mean, <laughs> here, here's my thing. Do I start want to, I, I am really questioning everything about this kid that he felt like he wanted to leave and then come right back. Yeah. Like I get that they're kids and they have like, you know, I, I'm not anti, you know, movement necessarily, but I am just like really questioning this kid's like decision-making, like where his head's at what his goals actually are. If he, if he's impulsive, like if he actually thinks about things before he does them, like all these questions are just running through my head and none of them are really particularly good for him. Yeah. I mean, he had that reportedly back in December. Um, he had that alleged shoplifting incident. Um, I believe you know, there weren't any charges that came from it, but, um, 
you know, the, so that's one thing. And then this flip-flopping LSU, Oklahoma, back to LSU. Um, it just, you know, once is, once is a coincidence, twice is a pattern. So like you said, I think maybe he just makes some rash decisions. Doesn't necessarily always think them through. So, I mean, it'll be, um, it'll be, it'll be an interesting situation there with the LSU backfield, especially with him being eligible right away. Cause that's just, we talked about the Florida backfield with a ton of guys, LSU, ton of guys in that backfield. Um, so he's kind of an avoid for me now. Yeah. Plus uh citizen coming in there next year. And did Moss where did Moss switch over to them yet? I don't think so. He I just left family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it's between there and, and Texas A&M. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's, it sounds like he's just a knucklehead. And as I said, I don't like knuckleheads. Um, I, I think there's, there's not much value generally to be had there. Um, speaking of depth chart news here, Aeneas Smith, Chase Lane and Caleb Chapman are officially listed as the trio of starters at wide receiver for Texas A&M. I guess this officially marks Aeneas Smith as a wide receiver. Adjust your rankings accordingly. Speaking of trios of starters, Mike Harley, Charleston Rambo, and Keyshawn Smith are officially listed as starters for Miami. Um, Colin, let me know if you agree with this statement. Mike Harley is probably the only one that's fantasy relevant this year. And Keyshawn Smith's the only one I actually want to roster there because he's going to survive past this god-awful Derek King passing offense, and then maybe we'll finally be able to get to see what he can do because Rambo and Harley will be gone. Yeah. Um, Rambo's made some some noise, so it wouldn't surprise me if he gave you a couple weeks here and there where it was fine to start him. Uh, but yeah, I think overall, I agree with you. Harley really the guy who's going to probably be the most productive this year as far as the receivers go. And then Keyshawn Smith, the guy you want moving forward. Um, it's big news, you know, that he was listed as a starter here because there was that trio of freshmen um, that you said were called the three Musketeers, right? It was um, him, Brinson, Romello Brinson. Jacoby and, George. And Jacoby George. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets the nod out of, out of those three. So definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, um, I, I like Smith. Uh, yeah, we've talked about him a bunch. Um, I, I think he's definitely worth a roster. Um, here's an interesting one. Bo Corrales will not play week one. Uh, he has been rolled out. He's been dealing with an injury all through. He was out for spring, then going into preseason. That kept saying they think we'll be ready. He will not be ready for their opening game against Virginia Tech. That That's an interesting game because they're now missing their th- three starting receivers from last year and their two starting running backs. Um, Sam Howe will have to do some heavy lifting immediately there uh, for UNC. So will Josh Downs. Um, lot, all the receivers gone, like you mentioned, and it's pretty much just going to be Josh Brown and Coffrey or Josh Downs and Coffrey Brown now. And I don't know how much I love um, Coffrey Brown. So I think Downs is gonna Downs is gonna get peppered with targets early and often. I think um, in that game and and potentially all year. Um, you know, we talked about it before, but I think he's, he's got, he's got a wide receiver one type of a type of ceiling there for sure. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, that, that, that depth chart will be interesting to watch develop, uh, Tommy DeVito named the starter with Garrett Schrader. If you're relying on either of those guys for any sort of fantasy option <laughs> this year, then good luck to you. That was for uh, you, Chris Moxley, Garrett Schrader. De- Devin Neal is not listed on the two deep at running back for Kansas. Um, again, early season depth charts. We're not panicking. Cool. Your jets. 
I don't know what the issue is. Like they've just talked glowingly about him and now he's not in the too deep. So this, I think this is one of the situations where you just ignore the depth chart. It will be fine. Yeah. Or go buy him. Uh, if you can find somebody panicking. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. So if I have no, I'm, I'm in a either. league with you, um, good luck. Um, <laughs> if you send him a crappy opera, his price doubles. Um, <laughs> Um, speaking of uh, youngish running backs here, uh, Pitts running back depth chart. This is not really a surprise. And again, why I've been you know, talking, you know, approach with caution here with Izzy Abanaconda, Vincent Davis or Israel Abanaconda or AJ Davis listed as the RB1 for Pitt. Um, first off, I'm starting a petition to make the or illegal on depth charts. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to take this all the way, uh, you know, to Congress and we're going to get this thing passed. Um, I, I actually expect this opening game against UMass they'll all get touches because UMass sucks. Uh, if yeah. the, I think the, the more telling games will be once you get into the AC, the heart of the ACC schedule. Yeah, yeah. I uh, UMass is, is is terrible. They were one of the worst teams we've seen uh, in a long time. Like they were just absolutely terrible last year. But when, like you said, once you get into the ACC schedule, um, I think this depth chart will shake out a little bit more just because it'll have to. Um, I don't think they'll roll three guys the entire season. Oh, ye of little faith. You obviously are not a pit fan. <laughs> You're right. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> um, I would hope the cream would rise to the top. We shall see. Um, Cameron Peoples listed as the co-starter with Nate Noel for Appalachian State. And someone posted in our in our Discord, you know, oh, there's an or listed for Appalachian State's running back. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's probably Dietrich Carrington. And they were like, no, it's this other dude I've never freaking heard of. Um, so that's fun. Uh, but again, <laughs> we're not reacting to opening depth charts. The only position I react at is quarterback. And uh, Cameron Peoples is not a quarterback. So everybody hold tight. Right. I think it's mostly significant for Nate Noel um, instead of Dietrich Harrington, because we always kind of expected that to be a little bit of a split. Um, Cameron Peoples probably handles the bulk of the carries, but um, we expected Dietrich Harrington to factor in. But Nate Noel, um, surprising and jumping, uh, jumping into the or uh, into the or listed as a co-starter. Yeah, not worth picking up um, unless you're just a super deep league. Um, but just right. something to monitor. Uh, Brian Robinson, or sorry, actually, well, yeah, we'll go with that one first. Brian Robinson Jr. listed as the sole running back starter for Bama um, with McClellan, Sanders, and Roy Dell uh, behind him. I thought McClellan had the, the second spot himself. No, it's an or. Uh, from what I saw, it looked like it was McClellan or Sanders or Roy Dell. Of course. Again, <laughs> that petition is going to be making the rounds. Um, not surprising, though. Like, I mean, Brian Robinson was expected to be the starter. Um, Jojo Earl listed this. This is a big one. Jojo Earl listed as or with Slade Bolden in the slot, which suggests maybe he's going to push Bolden a little earlier than we thought he would. And I think he was also listed as the punt returner. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were talking all offseason about him being the Jalen Waddle, like, you know, regen. Um, so what he's doing as a freshman is the same thing that Jalen Waddle did as a freshman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that him pushing Slade Bolden already on the depth chart is, is interesting because a like, Hall and Ja'Cory Brooks, neither of them are listed as starters. Um, it's Mechie Williams and uh, Bolden or Earl. So the fact that, and, and in Saban's offense, you know, like you said, it, we kind of expected Brian Robinson jr. To be the starter 
even though there's McClellan there, you know, we expect to get a lot of touches. We expect a Gia Hall to see the field a lot. Uh, I expect Corey Brooks to work his way into that rotation. But the fact that Jojo Earl has done it already is definitely a positive sign. Yeah, that that it's very encouraging, especially because, yeah, he was the only one there that was not participating in spring. Um, staying on Bama here, Jaleel Billingsley, not listed as the starter, not surprising with everything that Nick Saban has said about him over the past few weeks. Um, here's one for you, Colin, to uh, wash away <laughs> that that's, that that victory smell from Hudson Card that you that, that was wafting over here. Uh, Jalen McMillan is not listed as a starter for Washington. I find that very interesting. I think I'm I'm hoping um, and and thinking that this is due to his hand injury yeah. um, that he had surgery on that we mentioned. So I'm thinking that's probably why because he was running with the ones with the first team offense all fall and all spring um so i'm assuming it has to do with the injury but definitely something to keep an eye on you know it threw some cold water on on my smugness here uh with uh with hudson card and and with somebody else we'll touch on a little bit later yeah um yes uh this is an interesting one as well um, that totally, I just was blindsided by this. Elijah Canyon not listed on the two deep a wide receiver for Auburn. Um, I don't know what else to say about it other than that. He had that huge game last year. I think everyone assumed that he was going to be the the number one there. Um, but to not even be on the two deep is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I really thought he was going to. Um, be the lead guy there and we had felix on and felix talked about that as well but um it's um Xavier capers marcus john i think marcus johnson somebody johnson um <laughs> malcolm johnson <laughs> yes that, that might be him malcolm yes. johnson jr yeah yes that might be him um i totally lost my train of thought who the other one was but yeah not even he wasn't listed as a starter or as a backup there so um, like we said, we don't panic on these depth charts, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, hopefully he can emerge later on in the year, but I think it's, I think Xavier Capers, Xavier Capers is a guy worth keeping an eye on. I, I don't think the staff has their receiving group there yet. That's why I've been in a couple of places stashing. Um, what's his name? Like Tar, Tar, uh, Tar Quaris Dawson or whatever his name is. You're no help. All right. I'm not. I just on shrugged. The, he's a true freshman. He's fast as shit. The coaching staff likes him. All right, <laughs> moving on. Um, Troy O'Meara is expected to miss week one with a knee injury. Man, it really, really sucks because, I mean, I, I like to give Felix a really hard time, um, but it, it's starting to sound like maybe he's just one of those guys that we'll never know. There's always something. He's always injured. I mean, I, hopefully this is just a, little, a blip and he can come back and play, but um you know, if you had him in your starting lineup this week, uh, please remove him. Yeah, I think. I, I don't. I mean, it's he's still a year removed from that injury, and you know, we like to you know see all of the guys who get back in nine months from their ACL tears and everything like that. But I think we get wrapped up in that sometimes, and I think we just need to give you know, maybe a little bit of caution here where it's nine months isn't always the expectation. You know, it's, it, I think it should be, you know, cause it used to be a year 
used to be roughly like what you would think of when you would get people back. And now everybody wants to be nine months. So he's been back. He's been working, practicing uh, this fall and maybe rushed back a little bit too early. So I'm not ready to write him off or anything yet or by any means, but it's definitely something to monitor. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, they, this might be another instance where like, I think worthy is, is one of the staff's guys, but I like none of the other guys are, um, and that, that includes Omir. I, I don't think, I don't, I don't know that the staff is like in love with him because they didn't recruit him and, right. um, it would not shock me with, you know, they're, they're looking at Evan Stewart next year, who I think it sounds like it's likely that he goes there. He's one of the top five kids, uh, in next year's class. Uh, I've recently bumped him up. He has a tier one grade for me in next year's class, um, which is, is I don't give out a lot of those. Um, uh, so I like, and he's not a he's not a Nomir clone. He's more like a JoJo Earl type. Uh, but like they, they're just get the staff is getting their guys in there. And again, you know, the staff handpicks their guys, and that that can go a long way. Um, speaking of Xavier Worthy, he is listed as a starter. Um, Chris Moxley foolishly said on the tailgate this week that he is not a worthy guy. You made that very clear. I am not a Chris Worthy fan. Xavier Worthy, who got to Michigan, spent a day or two there, got out of Dodge. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like the cafeteria food. I don't know. He went down to Texas. Can he be the guy there? Yeah. I mean, like you touched on a little bit ago where you said, you know, he's the guy the staff brought in. And he's already impressing. He's already looking dynamic. Uh, a lot of those other guys have a hard time staying healthy. Touched on with Troy O'Meary. Um, Jordan Whittington's banged up, uh, has been banged up off and on throughout his career as well. Um, and then outside of them, there just really isn't anybody um, in that passing offense. You know, like we talked about with Card, the weapons there aren't great. I think if O'Meary, Worthy, and Whittington are all healthy, that's a solid group. But that's a big question mark there with everybody except for worthy. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been stashing him a lot of places. I, I, he is one of the the guys in this class that I was just totally wrong on, on initial evaluation, at least from a value perspective. I think I've adjusted accordingly. Um, I, I've drafted him like in the last four drafts I've done, I've gotten him three of them. I mean that, that he's a guy that now I, I think I have to have because the consensus has not gotten there yet. Um, and I predicted in my bold predictions article that he's he's a you know top thirty six pick uh, next offseason. So um, I, I'm all in there. Grant Gannell listed as the co starter at Memphis, I think is interesting, but I think we both suspect that he ends up getting that job in the end. Yeah, I mean it's one of those or situations on the depth chart that we always said should be illegal. Um, I still think it's going to be him as the starter. Honestly, I I'm the one who put that on the show sheet. I can't even remember the other guy's name that was there. Um, it's in the battle. But so I think it ends up being Ganell. Just something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, it's Memphis offense. I'm more interested in Brandon Thomas than any of the passing weapons there, except for maybe Calvin Austin, um, yeah. who was officially listed as a starter today. Yes. So, um, And know. Sean Dykes at tight end. Probably a good I option. I'm curious to see how that passing offense does this year. I mean, Brady True. White like wasn't a good quarterback, but he had been there for so long. He was basically an institution, and he knew that offense inside and out. Like, I'm just interested to see. I don't think Gunnell might, from like just like a strictly quarterbacking perspective, be a better player than Brady White. I don't know necessarily, but I think it. Like, I think this first year is a bit of a letdown. 
that that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I will wake up to a text message from Matthew Bruning. It's okay. <laughs> um, all right. So that does it for the quick hits here. Week zero review. We're going to do a review each week here, guys. There's only five games this week. It's not a lot to talk about. We picked out three storylines here instead of our cram session for tonight. Um, the first one, Charbonnet's big day. Colin, woo, woo. On the tailgate, Colin said there was a there was a fight that broke out. Uh, we had to break him up. Uh, where where Colin said that he was still high on Charbonnet and he expected him to do some nice things at UCLA this year. Um, a couple people poo pooed him. And then Charbonnet <laughs> went out and went, what, six for 106 and one? He's not going to do that every week. They Three. Oh, sorry. Three touchdowns. Three, yes. Um, he's not going to do that every week. But I think, you know, the the touches, I mean, he, he got less than half the touches that Britton Brown got. And Britton Brown did well, too. He went 13 for 78 and one. Like, the Brown had himself, a, they, they just carved Hawaii on the ground all day. They, they blew him out. Um, like, are you, does Charbonnet move up your rankings? Where do you have Charbonnet now? I don't even know. Um, no, he doesn't move up my rankings because I did have him pretty high. Uh, let me pull it up here, but while I'm pulling it up, I just, I thought I didn't feel like Britton Brown was going to just dominate the touches in that backfield. Charbonnet is extremely talented we saw it his freshman year at Michigan, and I thought he was going to have a role there. Um, you know, and I still think he's going to have a role there. Now, like you said, he's not going to have three touchdowns on six carries every week. Um, I have Charbonnet as my RB23. Uh, I have him. Oh, just my <laughs> God. <laughs> I have him just ahead of Travion Cooley and Donovan Edwards and just behind uh, Noah Kane and Jalen Berger. Good lord, man! Those those rankings are egregious. Um, Dwight also has him as the RB twenty three, and Matt has him as the RB twenty nine. Uh, we know, you know, the, the the fat we're trimming this off season here at campus to Canton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will say it's, uh, he looked leaner than he did his last year at Michigan. Um, I don't want to. I haven't looked to see what because like the if he lost weight or anything like that because I know it was Spiller looked like way leaner last year and he was listed heavier, so maybe he just took the offseason workout program a little more seriously. I don't know what to tell you. Drinking those smoothies isn't that Chip Kelly's big thing? Smoothies when he was <laughs> yeah. at the Eagles, that was like their big thing. <laughs> yeah, they drank like eight of them a day or something. Uh, yeah. So that that's news item number one here. Uh, number two, Fresno's offense. Uh, had themselves a pretty big day, but I think it was mostly expected there against UConn. Uh, got up big at halftime and then rested all the starters uh, for the second half. But it was pretty much the the big names there that you would expect. They they all you know chipped in. Jake Hayner, twenty six passing for three hundred thirty one yards and three touchdowns. Um, his stat line is very misleading because he threw two long touchdowns in the span of like three minutes. And both of them were like runs and catches where the guy that caught it did like 80% of the work. Um, I mean, Cropper had an 86 yard touchdown where he caught the ball about 20 yards upfield, ran into a pile of four Yukon defenders and just bounced off and then just broke the band. <laughs> um, and, and Ronnie rivers, I believe had, had a nice, you know, long catch and run as well. Um, so, so his stat line is 
better than how I thought he played. He started off poorly and then woke himself up. Rivers had uh, 58 yards rushing and then two catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. The aforementioned Cropper had three for 87 and one. Um, but some of the other weapons on the periphery there uh, played pretty well too. Eric Brooks and Josh Kelly, um, wide receivers two and three there. And we thought uh, Wheatfall would be in that conversation as well. Um, they all had several catches each. Uh, it looked like a good offense. This week will be a really nice test for them against Oregon um, to see if they can do that against a defense that is far superior to UConn. Yeah, and he touched on with Hayner, the stat line's a little misleading. Plus, he he looked a little rough early. Um, just he did not look, he did not come out strong against a pretty weak UConn defense, a, a, a team that hadn't played in over a year. Um, so, I mean, he righted the ship a little bit. You know, he looked better later on. But I, we, we talked about it in the Discord today. Somebody asked, would they start Grayson McCall or... Um, Jake Hayner this coming week and two people had said Hayner, but I was like, I would probably lean McCall because Oregon's the best defense Fresno's going to face all year. Uh, Oregon is a very good defense uh, and their secondary is good, really good too. So I, I would be just based on the way he looked uh, to start that Utah or the UConn game and how good Oregon's defense is. Um, you know, given the option Hayner versus McCall, I'm leaning McCall. I don't know why you'd box me into a corner like this. Yeah, I would rather have McCall. <laughs> I just think the rushing upside's there. Um, right. The, the thing with Hayner, and I, I was arguing with Felix about this a lot in the Discord, and I'm pretty sure this is going to be a whole segment on Debbie debate this week. <laughs> like, Felix's whole thing, he did have some nice throws. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that he just looked like crap out there and you know he, he's lucky to be star, starting quarterback like he looked fine i just never watched jake hayner and i'm like blown away by anything he does like even i don't think his arm is fantastic the touchdown that he threw to rivers he kind of had to put it force it into a window but like the window was only a window because he couldn't drill it in there like I, I think that play would have hap- would have been easier for Rivers if he had been able to drive the ball, and he like I just don't know he has that in him. Um, I think his arm is slight. It's like the, you know the I always say the line is Joe Burrow. I think his arm is slightly on the good side of it, whereas Dylan Gabriel is slightly on the wrong side of it. But there, that is like the range of arm strength that he has. It's it's passable. It's doable. It works for Joe Burrow because he's mobile. Hayner is not that level of an athlete. Um, Felix was trying to say that like, he's better than, like he would, he's better than Teddy Bridgewater. He would be happy mm. to have Teddy Bridgewater's career. Yeah. I don't think he gets anywhere close to what Teddy Bridgewater's done in the NFL. And I don't even like, like, I'm not an, an apologist for Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> no, none of us are, are Teddy Bridgewater apologists here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't necessarily see a significant NFL future there for him. He may get drafted day three. Um, maybe he sticks around on a roster every for for a little while. But yeah, I I don't know if I see it with him either. No. Um, last game that we're going to talk about here because a couple like Nebraska Illinois like we don't care. Adrian Martinez sucks. Newsflash. Um, Gabe Irvin did start there. I think that's that's an important piece of news. But that's really all we could take away from that game. Um, San Jose State 
has some intriguing C2C options. I'm not sure if any of them are NFL guys, but but certainly for this year, I think you could do a lot worse than some of the, the players they have on that roster. Nick Starkle, starting quarterback, was okay. Um, completed about 60% of his passes for just short of 400 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Um, and then uh, the, the passing weapons there, Derek Deese, their big tight end, had himself a day, 372-1. and one. Um, and then Tyler Nevins is their starting running back. He had 12 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown and caught a couple of passes as well. Are you interested in Starkle Nevins or uh, Deese? And I, I didn't talk about Isaiah Hamilton because he didn't really do that much. Uh, I'm definitely intrigued by Deese just because it's uh, tough to find tight end production. Um, so I actually have Deese in one or two places. Get you a uh, nice team name too. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> um, and then Starkle, if it's a deep league, um, yeah, maybe start him here. Like in our 20 or 2014 league that we have where it's a little bit deeper. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pick him up. Um, Nevins is a guy that wasn't really too much on my radar before this week. Um, but yeah, he's he's a guy also that worth I, I he's more of a watch list guy for me to see if he can repeat it now they do get usc next week so i don't know if he's going to repeat it um but later on in the season maybe throughout the rest of the mountain west conference maybe yeah um schedule kind of opens up a little bit after that game all right colin we're finally here the last conference we have to break down is the sec we are not going to so yeah we're not going to do what we normally do here because guys <laughs> Our show sheet tonight on Google Docs is 19 pages long. <laughs> we are not going to do that to you. That's almost as long as my senior thesis. <laughs> uh, a lot more pictures, though, unfortunately. They weren't big on me putting pictures in my thesis. Um, it breaks so, it up. makes it easier to read. That's what I said, but they were like, it's all pictures, and most of them are hand-drawn by crayon. And I was like, what's the problem? I, don't... <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were going to law school. The history department at Junietta College are really sticklers for uh, for <laughs> hand drawn cartoon pictures in your thesis. Um, so we are going to do it. Uh, you know, we're going to break it up into must haves, maybe relevant and stashes, but we're not going to spend time on every single player here, guys. Because I want it. It's ten twenty one Eastern Standard Time. I would like to go to bed at some point. <laughs> I'm sure Colin would as well. Um, so here we go, guys. Six must have quarterbacks. And I don't even think like there's one that's borderline. We have Bryce Young, who's at Alabama, Matt Corral at Ole Miss, Max Johnson at LSU, Haynes King at Texas A&M, JT Daniels at Georgia, and then Emory Jones at Florida. Colin, um, we said we were going to pick a guy each and talk about him. Who, which guy did you choose out of this, this category to talk about? Um. So I didn't really actually choose one. I mean, we just kind of we talked about choosing one, and then I never actually did. But <laughs> I'll <laughs> um, I'll talk Max Johnson here. Um, Max Johnson, he got he was competing with Miles Brennan, and it seemed like it was a legit competition the whole time. It was one guy pushing the other. It wasn't a um, you know a situation where one guy kind of wasn't quite as good and you know they wanted to keep the the senior guy around like i've suggested in a couple other places um and max johnson sounded like he had a really great offseason miles brennan unfortunately gets that injury 
and now it's it's Max Johnson season, and Miles Brennan last year. Now, you know, small three game sample size, uh, so keep that in mind. But he finishes a QB eleven on a points per game basis, and Max Johnson did not have quite that good of a year. He was a QB sixty five, uh, was sixteen point nine fantasy points per game on a uh, on a per game basis there, but. You know, at the end of the year, that's where he really kind of started to shine in those last couple games. Um, he's going to have Boutte to throw the ball to. Um, he's going to be able to rely on him. And then they also have a quartet of very talented freshman receivers that we'll get into a little bit later. They have some other options in the passing game. He's got no shortage of weapons, brings a little bit with his legs too. Um, so I, I think Max Johnson's a very intriguing option. He's a guy that's risen up my board a little bit. Uh, and I finally took him in my first draft there the other day at the uh, C2C Invitational that we're doing um, just because I'm going a little bit more Debbie heavy in that one. And I think he's got a shot to have a nice pro future as well. Yeah, he was actually the one that I wanted to uh, uh, to talk about. So you beat me to Oof. it. Um, shouldn't, have, shouldn't have kicked it to me first. I know. That's okay, though. Um, or we should have planned it out a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I I um, I kind of regret not drafting more of him this offseason. I, I weirdly actually got more of him before they announced that he was the starter um, just because he was so cheap, um, you know, back in the day, the good old days, uh, four months ago. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the up-tempo offense, they're bringing in a guy that, that – he worked under Joe Brady there for a couple of years. I don't know what they're, they, you wouldn't like about that situation. He has an alpha guy to throw it to. He has a lot of unproven but extremely talented wide receivers there. Um, so I think whether LSU does well this season or not, I think regardless, Mac Johnson still has a nice year. Um, how, how high do we see Bryce Young finishing this year? I think is a good question. Um, I, mean, I, Hudson, think, I mean, Hudson Card's going to be QB 15, apparently. So 12 to 15. And Bryce Young's a better player. So, you know, transitive property, they're calling, right? Um, not so fast, my friend. Um, no, I, <laughs> uh, I, I I like Bryce Young. I think he is a better player. Um, he does have uh, better options to throw the ball to as well. I just I don't know if Bill O'Brien's offenses are going to be uh, – fast paced enough to put up the kind of volume that you were used to seeing out of Alabama quarterbacks. Um, now uh, BOB does a good job with quarterbacks. You know, he's done a really nice job in, he did a really nice job in Houston for years and years with terrible quarterbacks. He made Christian Hackenberg look decent um, for a season. So he's good at getting the best out of quarterbacks, but I just I don't know if we're gonna see the offensive explosion um, in terms of the passing game that we've seen out of Alabama in the past couple of years. I think that was a little bit more of a Sark influence. Um, so I think he's gonna be very good. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he also finished in that QB twelve to fifteen range as well. Actually, yeah, I would have an easier. <laughs> I would see an easier path to him finishing there than Card would. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Um, <laughs> so we have th these numbers are so stupid. As I sit here and say that we have thirteen must-have running backs in the SEC, guys. It's the most talented, you know, conference in the country for a reason. Only going to get 
worse when Texas and Oklahoma join. I am just going to rip off a bunch of names here. And then again, call and just choose one, preferably not the one that I'm thinking of, but you have to guess which one I'm thinking of. I won't tell you. <laughs> and then I'll get mad if you choose the one I'm going to. It's a practice for marriage, Colin. So, um, okay. Um, all right. So RB 13 of them. We have Jace McClellan, Brian Robinson, Jr. Isaiah Spiller, Tank Bigsby, Zamir White, Kendall Milton, Raymond Davis, Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd, Tyler Beatty, um, Jerion Ely, and then Raheem Sanders. Uh, we have all in here. Um, uh, Colin, do you want to talk about any of these guys? And again, don't choose mine. I I kind of hope I choose yours here, um, but I'll talk about Tyler Beatty. Oh, you ch- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll talk Tyler Beatty here. Uh, Larry Roundtree last year, uh, 19.8 fantasy points per game is the RB 25. Um, so and I think that's definitely in Beatty's range of outcomes. Um, Beatty's also a much better pass catcher. He caught 32 passes uh, as a true sophomore while splitting work with Roundtree. He caught 28 passes last year, uh, again, splitting work with uh, Roundtree. And now he gets the offense pretty much all to himself. I don't really see anybody else in that backfield that's going to take that many touches from him. Um, I think what Taj Butts is the backup. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think Taj Butts is the backup there. Um, So I think Tyler Beatty can bring um, some really nice production for your college side. And then he bulked up this offseason, too. I don't have it in front of me. I think he got up to, what, like 200, 205, somewhere in that range. Yeah, 203, I think, is what he weighed in at. Just solid. Yeah, Yeah, 203, very solid, uh, especially for a guy with a three-down skill set like that. So I'm a little bit more bullish on his NFL potential than I was a little while ago. And he's got an ADP of 379. So... That's super cheap. That's way too cheap. And it's not like we've seen that spike because it was 382 in July. So he's a guy that I've scooped up in a good amount of places. And he's a guy that I think is going to have a really nice year and has better Debbie potential than what he's being given credit for. Yeah, I like him a lot. I have him. I've drafted him late a lot of different leagues. He is a little dinged up and it's questionable whether he goes week one. So I think that's just something to note and, and monitor if you have him somewhere and you're maybe planning on starting him. Um, just, just be on the lookout there before you make any decisions. Um, here's what I'm going to talk about. And I think this is, um, I, I don't know. Kevin Harris is one of the biggest fades for me in campus Cantons right now. He has a back injury, which doesn't make me feel great about a guy that plays the running back position and just, it just gets, you know, and he plays it very physically. He's not Jameer Gibbs, you know, who, who can, you know, evade a lot of tacklers. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Harris is more of a run right through you kind of guy. Um, and they just have so many other options there. They have him. They have Marshawn Lloyd. They have um, Zaquandre White. They have that freshman kid we talked about last week whose name I don't remember at Juju all. Juju McDowell. That's a, yeah, that sounds right. Um, you could have made I, that up, but that sounds right to me. <laughs> um, so there's just a lot of other bodies there, and I think that offense this year is just going to suck. Sorry, like, Chris. It's either Luke Doty, who just got his cast off, he's in a boot, or it's a guy that's a freaking grad assistant that they had From to North roster. Dakota State. <laughs> yeah, he was Trey Lance's backup because they just don't have anybody else in that roster. Like, I think that 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 offense is going to be one of the worst in all of Power Five this year. Um, and Kevin Harris 
it, my prediction, he will not declare for the NFL draft because this year does not go well for him. And he is not seen as a, a guy that you take in the top 10 rounds of startups next year. He's going to drop like a rock. Yeah, I, I don't think I have Kevin Harris anywhere. Not that I can think of. I do have a lot of Marshawn Lloyd, though. Um, and Marshawn Lloyd is a guy I really like his talent. I thought he was going to force a good timeshare with Harris before this injury. And he may take the lead job with, with Harris being kind of banged up and being questionable for week one. So uh, if out of anybody in that offense to own, I think it's Marshawn Lloyd. But like you said, I don't think it's going to be a very good offense. Uh, their QB three is a guy from St. Francis, PA. Uh, they had him transfer in. So also a D2 guy. If you could take like Kevin Harris's knees and Marshawn Lloyd's back and you know, like you can just morph these into like one healthy guy and then he'd be really, really good. Yeah. Um, but a lot of banged up guys here at South Carolina, uh, wide receiver must haves. <laughs> it's stupid again. It's just stupid. Um, why do we, so many more than we've had a, every other episode? Uh, wide receiver. We have 10 of them. Um, Kayshawn Boutte, John Mechie, Aguia Hall, Traylon Burks, Jaden Wally, Aeneas Smith, Jermaine Burton, Mookie Cooper, Wandale Robinson, and George Pickens. And notice we did not even include guys that technically are like top 50 startup picks in JoJo Earl and um, Corey Brooks. Like they, they were just a bunch of guys we, all, we put in the stash column. <laughs> <laughs> because it would have just been stupid to say we had 30 must have receivers, but um, I'm going to start this one off. Okay. Um, George Pickens, his ADP has fallen a little bit, not as much as I thought it would. I think because pe- I think people get hung up on the, he underperformed last year because his quarterback was terrible and he has supposed attitude issues, which I think he has the same attitude issues that Des Bryant had which AKA were basically a non-starter. Um, I still think Pickens, like I, I've been getting him in the third round places and startups. I like that value a lot. I challenge you to find a guy that has more upside than him, um, you know, in, in those spots, at least, you know, over the next year or so. So I, I'm still all in on George Pickens. I think he's still, it's hard to discount the like, trail on Burks is just a better athlete than him. Like if you just took, you know, if you could squeeze every ounce of whatever out of these guys to make a professional career, Traylon Burks's cup would just be a little bit fuller. But Pickens is 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 high in his own right, and I think as a pure receiver, he's the best in this class. And it would not shock me if he ends up being an, a really good receiver for a really long time. I hope you're right because I've been scooping him up all off season as well. I love that he's going in that third round. I have him in a couple different places. I've even taken him in the second round in some places, um, you know, like a later second round. I think that's still fantastic value. Uh, I, I like his ceiling a lot for the NFL side. Probably not getting anything this year on the college side, but that early in the draft, uh, I'm I'm looking at NFL potential. Um, you know, like we've talked about before, you know, treat the first eight to 10 rounds basically like Debbie. And there's not very many Debbie prospects better than Pickens at the wide receiver position. Even with David Bell's the being healthy and Pickens being out for the year and Bell probably smashing this year in college football, I would still rather have George Pickens. 
I disagree, but I don't dislike Pickens. I, I would probably take Burks over him in a draft right now, and I would probably take Garrett Wilson, but it would be close. And and then I, well, yeah, Butte, but totally different class. Uh, Butte is okay. my wide Butte is my wide receiver one. Okay. I mean, I, I see very few scenarios in which he's not awesome the next two years in college, and then an amazing NFL prospect. He's a top ten pick, virtual lock, unless he gets injured. Okay, fair so. enough. Um, I, I thought you were talking in general. I didn't know you were talking twenty twenty two, but that's yeah, fair. I, I was specific. Um. Do you have a guy you want to talk about here, Colin? Yeah, I'll talk about his running mate, actually, um, Jermaine Burton, uh, or would be his running mate uh, until he got hurt. And Jermaine Burton also then got hurt like right after that. And, you know, we're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. But Burton's back. Um, you know, he's been he's been fine. He's looking like ready to go week one. And I think Burton is a guy who's just going to absolutely smash uh, this year. He's got an ADP of 30, um, but I I frequently take him right there or even a little bit earlier. Um, I think, uh, you know, Jermaine Burton was ex- high recruit in his, in his own right there last year. Um, he's extremely, extremely athletic. Um, I'm trying to pull up what his, uh, what his numbers were here. He was the wide receiver 15. Uh, in the class last year, four-star guy. He ran a four-four-three forty, a three-nine-five shuttle, and a thirty-nine-inch vert, uh, all from the opening. Um, so extremely athletic guy, and he also runs good routes. Um, I think he's, I, th- I think he's going to be pretty polished at the wide receiver position by the time he's ready to come out. And I think that this Georgia offense, um, as you'll see when we release uh, an our, our uh, awards picks article, uh, which is coming in the near future. Uh, but I, I think this Georgia offense is going to be one that throws a little bit more than we're used to seeing. Uh, and I think Bert Burton's going to be a primary beneficiary of that. Uh, I, I like Burton a lot this year. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he leaves this year as the wide receiver two behind Boutte. And, I mean, he, he doesn't have a too far of a climb to go for that, but I think he's going to really solidify himself this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really like him as well. Um, I have a hard time. Butte is the wide receiver one in the class. And I think he's separated himself at this point by a pretty decent margin. I'm not mm. sure that anybody could really catch him just because of the fantastic, you know, statistical year and analytical year that he had as a, a true freshman. I still think JSN can be that guy. I think Rakeem Jarrett can be that guy. And then Jermaine Burton. Those are my next three in that class. And I think at worst, we view them the way we view these 2022 guys, you know, Wilson, Bell, Burks, Pickens, like not like elite, elite prospects, but still probably first round NFL draft picks and definitely first round, uh, you know, rookie picks if you're in a regular dynasty league. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I think Burton has all that potential and then some uh, tight end. We only have one here. Uh, we get a little reprieve. Jalen Weidermeyer uh, led Texas A&M in two of three major receiving categories last year. Can he do it again with Haynes King there? Yeah, uh, like we talked about a little bit earlier with that depth chart, um, Anai Smith, you know, uh, he's a former running back converted to wide receiver, but he's looking like the best wide receiver on that roster by a pretty comfortable margin. Uh, I don't feel that great about Lane. I don't feel that great about Chapman. Uh, and Haynes King's going to need somebody to throw the ball to. So, yeah, I think Weidermeyer can definitely be this leading passing threat in this offense. Um, 
wouldn't surprise me if he leads him in two out of those three receiving categories again this year. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, it'll be tough, especially if Cup eats into his, you know, snap share at all. Not even talking about, um, you know, target share or anything like that. But um, it'll be interesting to watch. We have nine maybe relevant quarterbacks. So how many teams are in the SEC, Colin? Fourteen. Fourteen. We've listed 15 quarterbacks so far. We had six must-haves and nine maybe relevance. How did we? How did I do that? I don't know. I, truly, I don't know. I truly, truly don't know. Actually, I do know because you put Anthony Richardson on here, and there's two Florida quarterbacks. Uh, um, okay. So here is here are the guys: Bo Nix, KJ Jefferson, uh, Connor Bazalak. I guess I should name the schools here: Bo Nix at Auburn, KJ Jefferson, Arkansas. Uh, Connor Basilak at Missouri, Will Levis at Kentucky, Joe Milton, Tennessee, Luke Doty, South Carolina, Ken Seals at Vanderbilt, Will Rogers at Mississippi State, and then yeah, Anthony Richardson, the backup at Florida. Um, I think a lot of these guys probably don't belong here, Colin. I'll be completely honest with you. And let me just give you some of the names that I don't think belong here. I, I would only roster Ken Seals if I was truly, truly desperate because I think there is virtually no no fantasy ceiling there. Luke Doty uh, is total trash. Um, and then Will Levis. I want to see how they use him before I would think he's even fantasy relevant. If they, like, I, I, I don't know what to make of him. You know, completed 60% of his passes last year, uh, ran for 260 yards. What? One touchdown, zero interceptions, and fifty-five pass attempts. Not, not <laughs> great, not great. Um, so, but I, I mean, is, is there a guy that stands out here to you? Well, let me just defend myself for putting these guys on here. Um, Will Levis, I think, as much as we poo-poo him, and none of us really, I don't really think he finishes the season as a starter. Um, I have to put that aside and just look at the rushing production that he can bring. Um, and if he brings that rushing production, you know, like it or not, I think he'll be a fantasy relevant player. Uh, you know, he'll be a guy that you can start on some weeks here and there. Um, and then with Luke Doty, it's kind of the same thing. Um, Luke Doty, they were playing him at wide receiver for a while, uh, last year. That's just how athletic he is. So I think he's going to bring something with his legs, provided he's healthy with that foot. Um, so that's kind of another reason why he's on there. He can give you some fantasy weeks here or there. Um, Ken Seals, I just couldn't leave him out. He can't be the only the only guy on there, right? No, <laughs> the only starting quarterback from the SEC to not be fantasy relevant. You're so soft. No, there's there's a good chance Ken Seals isn't really fantasy relevant. Um, I think I have him one place, and it's our twenty. Uh, I think it's our twenty four team league. I have him in our twenty teamer. Um... People really hoovered up the running backs or the the quarterbacks there. Like, oh yeah, um, to ridiculous in that twenty in the twenty teamer. Yes, yes, yeah. It's I did get Braxton Burmeister off waivers, so that was that was big. Wow, steal. Um, so here here's actually a, I did not anticipate myself doing this at the beginning of the night. Bo Bo Nix is like moderately intriguing. Mm-hmm. Outside of the whole, you know, copy pasta like this is Bo Nix's year thing that goes around, <laughs> um, delusional. <laughs> delusional Auburn fans. I think he's so, so good. He has been so disappointing the last two years and especially last year that he has no value. And what I mean by that is like, it doesn't cost anything to acquire him. 
And while I think the chance of him getting better, I would put, I mean, I don't know how to put a number on this, less than 10%, probably <laughs> less than 5%. I think if Harson can, you know, work with him a little bit, that you could get a guy that's at least fantasy startable for, for a few weeks. And like, I got people just don't want him. Like the joke when I'm in drafts is if like when we, before fan tracks was really back open for the year and, uh, and we were all using spreadsheets to draft the, the joke was that, like, if you took too long, we were going to give you bonix. Like that was the threat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if, if you didn't pick long enough, but I think he has a chance to, to be better than that. At the same time, we could, he could go out week one and we'd be like, Oh, like Adrian Martinez, you know, oh, that's Bo Nix. There, there's also a very high likelihood of that happening. I just think why not take him in the 35th round of a draft? Like, I think there, there is some upside there. Yeah, no, I can, I actually completely agree with you there. Um, his value is so low that, you know, he's, he's going to give you some upside um, QB 50. That's, depending on how deep your league is, you know, you may be able to start him a couple times. Um, you know, in our 24 team league, you start two quarterbacks, you're starting the QB 48. So yeah, I mean, you know, you'll, you may need him some weeks and even if it's not that deep, you know, you may need him in a couple weeks here or there as well. So yeah, fantasy relevant guy that you can get super late and you can also make a joke out of it. What's not to love. I was about to say, what's not to love there. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think KJ Jefferson is really the only other guy that really catches my eye there in that group. Um, but but who knows? Thirteen maybe relevant running packs. James Cook, at Georgia. Damian Pierce at Florida. Naquan Wright at Florida. Jabari Small and Tyon Evans both at Tennessee. Traylon Smith at Arkansas. Devin Ochain at Texas A and M. Henry Parrish Jr. at Ole Miss. Roy Dell Williams at Alabama, John Emery Jr. at LSU, uh, Tyrion Davis Price at LSU, Christopher Rodriguez Jr. at Kentucky, and Joquavius Marks uh, at Mississippi State. Um, I moved a couple of these guys down, Colin. I moved Joquavius <laughs> Marks and Christopher Rodriguez Jr. down. Um, does that does that offend you? What did I did I wrong you? Tell me, and if I did, tell me why. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, Jaquavis Marks really his value lies in being a Mike Le Mike Leach receiving back system, uh, and then he also got the OR treatment today uh, with Dylan Johnson and Dylan. They've been hyping Dylan Johnson up. Uh, the the coaching staff has as an option there, so I think that could be potentially a true split in that backfield. Um, I had Jaquavis Marks listed higher before that depth chart came out, but. You know, so if he was the sole starter in that offense, uh, I think given his receiving ability, given the way Mike Leach uses receiving running backs, and given that Will Rogers just checks everything down, um, I, I think he could have had a really nice year in PPR. Um, but I don't, I don't fault you for moving him down. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting situation. I think he does have a nice year this year. Um, last year through nine games, he had 119 carries, 785 yards and 11 touchdowns. So, you know, he was the RB 55. So that's definitely fantasy relevant. Um, but I don't, I don't fault you for moving him down out of the must haves. Um, so I, it's, I think he's going to be borderline. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that I don't really feel great about either of those guys. Um, 
Roydell Williams is really intriguing to me, but he's not the guy I actually want to talk about. I, I think there's a discussion to be had. Is Devin Ochain like a legitimate bevy asset? You know, he he's he's an NCAA championship level sprinter. He does track and field there as well. He's 5'9", 185. He doesn't look like he has the frame to get much bigger, and I don't think you would want him necessarily to anyway with his current skill set. But if he can't prove that he's a three-down guy, like what what is his value once he gets to the NFL? And like can't like he I don't even know if he ever gets the majority of the touches at at, at Texas A and M. Yeah, I don't think he does either. Um, I think his best path to fantasy relevance is just kind of being an explosive scat back kind of a guy. And he's, you know, just get better at the receiving game, um, you know, and then be just maybe a third down kind of a guy. Uh, I, I don't really know if I ever see lead back potential from him. Uh, they have LJ Johnson there too. So, you know, I, I don't know if he'll ever truly get a shot at being a lead back. Um, and then they potentially have Le'Veon Moss coming in after that. You know, we'll, we're not entirely sure. You know, he seems like Moss is between um, Texas A&M and LSU. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like A-Chain, but he just goes too early. Um, I actually don't have him anywhere. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about him, too. And it's just, it's just slightly too small. I mean... JV and Hawkins was a similar size and he got all those touches and he still went undrafted. I, I don't know. I mean, Achain's obviously probably a little bit faster, but is it fast enough? I don't know. Uh, wide receiver. I forgot to count these beforehand. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, <laughs> 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, maybe relevant wide receivers. We've got JoJo Earl. We've got Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, Jare Jenkins, LSU, Coy Moore, LSU, Elijah Canyon, Auburn, Braylon Sanders, and Jonathan Mingo, Ole Miss, Marion Brown at South Carolina, Xavier Henderson, Jacob Copeland at Florida, uh, Marcus Rosemead Jackson, Arian Smith, Kiaris Jackson at Georgia, uh, Adonai Mitchell, possibly more of a stash there, uh, Jalen Hyatt at Tennessee, Jamison Williams at Alabama, and then Cam Johnson at Vanderbilt. It's an interesting one in super deep leagues. Uh, 56 for 545 and three last year. Um, our guy, Ken Seals. Ken Seals. See, see if he can give him the ball. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, Colin, do you have any guys here that, that really jump out to you? I mean, I think uh, there's a few that could really see a big rise in, in value. I think Marcus Roseme could if he, if he does something this year. I think Xavier Henderson could. Uh, Mingo, Canyon. I mean, there, there are some guys here that could definitely see a huge spike in value if they perform well this year. Yeah, I think the, the most intriguing one for me is Braylon Sanders and Jonathan Mingo. Um, we know we want the wide receiver one in that Ole Miss offense just based on what we've seen the past couple years, but also last year um, in Lane Kiffin's offense, you know, tied to Matt Corral, tied to a good quarterback uh, on a team with a defense that's just not very good. I think they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So we want the wide receiver one there. I'm just not entirely sure which one of those two it's going to be, uh, whether it's going to be Sanders or Mingo. Um, I have more Sanders just because he was going significantly later, but I think it's just as equally likely that it could be Mingo. I think that's why he was going earlier is because the prevailing thought was it would be Mingo. So I don't know which one it's going to be, but whichever one it is, is going to see a pretty big bump this year in their CFF value. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we've talked about on this show before. I'm a little worried about that offense, just a lot of injuries and stuff. Um, I, I mean, I, Marcus Roseme is a guy that I just, for whatever reason, want to keep going back and planting my flag on. I, I like him. I think his skill set is not that different from, from George Pickens. I think he's a really good player. We'll see if mentally he can come back from the, the ankle leg injury he had last year, very similar to what Dak Prescott had for the Cowboys. Uh, Dak's back playing. And I get a quarterback is slightly different than wide receiver, you know, different demands um, on the leg there. But if Dak can come back, I don't see any reason why Marcus Roseme can't do something this year and then maybe become, you know, uh, the running mate for for Jermaine Burton next year. Because say what you want. Like, I think Adonai Mitchell's had a nice spring. The coaching staff has repeatedly talked about him. But supposedly they're probably going to lose Kiaris Jackson this year. They're probably going to lose George Pickens. I think there's some serious opportunity there with no real high profile Kai coming in in this year's class for him to do something. So I, I just want Marcus Rosemi on my team and I could be cutting him this, this off season. I mean, like there's definitely that chance. I just, I like the upside. I don't, I like the upside a lot too. Um, I like Rosemi a lot as well. I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I don't even think if he, doesn't necessarily come out and, and establish himself as like the number two or the number three in that offense. I don't even necessarily think he's a cut candidate next off season uh, because he was a better recruit last year, a, a more highly rated recruit um, than what uh, Jermaine Burton was. Um, I'm trying to pull it up here to see exactly where he was. Um, I think I want to say a, he was a wide receiver eight last year, uh, very high four star, the 0.97 uh, rating on the composite. So very talented guy battled that rough injury. You know, you kind of have a right or wrong. You kind of have a built-in excuse for why he may not perform this year. So I don't think he'll be a cut candidate this off season either. Um, I, it'll be close for sure. I think um, potential, potential roster clogger, but hopefully fingers crossed. He's not um, a bunch of tight ends here, actually that are, you know, depth tight ends, I would say for a, for a C2C roster, uh, Darnell Washington at Georgia. Um, we're not including Eric Gilbert in this discussion tonight. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, Hudson Henry at Arkansas, Nick Muse at South Carolina, uh, Jaleel Billingsley, if he can get his head right there at uh, Alabama, Cole Taylor, uh, the guy at LSU this year. And then Jack Beck was supposed to be a tight end, but now maybe he's a wide receiver. I don't know what's going on with, with him, but I would lump him in with Cole Taylor. And then Keon Zipperer, but I saw today that he's not listed as the starter for Florida. Um, mm. He was he was surpassed this offseason. I forget the name. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. Like I, If I was drafting any of these guys, I'm not sure that I would really be banking on NFL production coming further down the line. No, probably not. Um, Cole Taylor will be intriguing. I'll be interested to see what he can do this year um, with uh, Eric Gilbert not there anymore at LSU. Um, jury's still out for me on him, but as far as NFL potential. But yeah, the rest of the guys, probably not a ton of NFL potential there, uh, which you know may shock some people that were saying that about Billingsley because I know he has a lot of supporters, but just too small. And can't seem to get his head on right and can't get out of the doghouse there. So, um, yeah, I don't really see a lot of NFL potential here either. Say it with me, folks. We don't like knuckleheads. Okay, there <laughs> we go. Um, 
yeah, I don't feel strongly about any of those guys either. Um, stashes. I'm not even going to count how many names we have on here, but it's just a shit ton. Um, you could fill like two benches worth with some of these guys. So let's just, I'm just going to start throwing out names here. Quarterback, Jalen Milrow, uh, Alabama, Harrison Bailey at Tennessee, Garrett Nussmeyer at LSU, Carlos Del Rio Wilson at Florida, Tyler Macon, Mizzou, Luke Altmeyer, Old Miss, Sawyer Robertson, Mississippi State, Zach Calzada, probably transferring Texas A&M, Brock Vandergriff, uh, Georgia, Carson Beck, Georgia. The guy I said first, Milrow, is definitely one that I'm trying to stash places because I think if he transfers somewhere, he could be a really good player. Yeah, I agree with that. I like Milrow, too. I think he's a nice stash. Um, yeah, Zach Calzada was a guy I included on the list as well, so I'm assuming he transfers. Um, but it sounds like he really pushed Haynes King. Uh, it sounds like that was a, a nice battle all spring and, and fall. So, um, you know, he showed enough that he could resurface somewhere else and, and have a pretty nice year. And uh, at this point, since he lost out on the job, he's probably free. I I don't think he's rostered in any league that I'm in. And I play in a 16 team, 45, like, like just like absurdly deep. Um, and, and he's not there. Um, running back, some interesting names here. Um, some guys I have a lot of actually Kamar Wheaton, Alabama, LJ Johnson at Texas A&M, Lorenzo Lingard at, uh, Florida, uh, Demarcus Bowman, Florida, Dylan Johnson, Mississippi state, AJ green at Arkansas, Corey Kiner, LSU, Amani Goodwin, LSU, Trey Sanders, Alabama, Juju McDowell, South Carolina. So that was a real name. Yep. You weren't, you weren't just messing with me earlier. Um, I mean, like some of these guys are just too good to be like, <laughs> it really like depends on your definition. Cause you're not really stashing LJ Johnson. Like he's a top 50 startup pick. Bowman's probably right outside that Corey Kiner got some traction this off season. Um, do you, are any of these guys on a bunch of your benches? Um, actually surprisingly, not really. No. Um, I don't really have that many guys on, on these benches cause LJ Johnson, Demarcus Bowman, Corey Kiner, Kamar Wheaton, they were guys you had to take decently early uh none of them were guys i felt that strongly about lj johnson's probably the guy out of the group that i like the most um but he was just typically going in a range where i wasn't targeting running back in that range i'd kind of pivoted at that point um so i don't have him anywhere either um and you know uh, the other guys dylan johnson probably free he's probably worth picking up um you know juju mcdowell kind of the same way more of a more of a stash like watch list kind of a guy uh but yeah no i don't really have many of these guys anywhere um i have a lot of aj green Traylon smith leaves after this year i think he can certainly step into that role um thunder lightning with raheem sanders um maybe we can get another um uh darren mcfadden and uh, uh who is his running felix leader, jones right? yeah felix jones so we can get another one of those situations there at arkansas it'd be fun to see um, wide receiver. Oh my God. Um, okay, here I go. All four LSU freshmen. We've got Brian Thomas Jr. Malik really neighbors. I'm not going to say that. I wish we had like an Animaniacs, like, you know how they do the States. They did yeah. that song. I wish we had that drawn up for all the wide receivers here. Um, the LSU freshmen, we have four of them. We have Dion Smith, Chris Hilton, Malik neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr. All four stars. Uh, all gotten hype at various points this offseason. I am a uh, partial to Hilton, but I would accept an argument for any of the other ones. Surely Marcus Burke at Florida, 
Dominic Lovett at Mizzou, uh, Braylon Brown at what's Ole Miss, right? Okay. Uh, I'm really Dan- testing you. I didn't put any of these schools. No, on you here. did not. Danish <laughs> Jackson is Mississippi State. Ole Miss. Ah, uh, De- oh, shit. He's Ole Miss, too. Demond DeMoss is at Texas AM. Jackson Meeks at Georgia. Javon Baker, Alabama. Ty Jones Bell, Alabama. Treshawn Holden, Alabama. Uh, Keytron Jock- Jackson and Trey Knox at Auburn. JJ Evans, Xavier Capers, Malcolm Johnson Jr., all at Auburn. Moose Muhammad. Uh, Moosin's son, uh, former Panther great uh, at Texas A&M, Justin Shorter at Florida, Ramel Keaton at Tennessee, Justin Robinson and Dominic Blaylock at Georgia. Um, any of those names stand out to you, Colin? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, well, you talked about the the LSU freshmen. They've all gotten hype at various points this offseason. It's hard to say who's actually going to be the the starter there or who's going to get the most run um they are all four extremely talented i think whoever stays is a guy that you're going to want i think with them looking to bring in um some guys in next year's class as well shaz preston um aaron anderson um looking to bring in those guys uh also four stars lsu's wide receiver room just gets crowded every year a uh, lot of talent in that room. Some of those guys, whoever loses out, probably transfer out, and then they'll probably win a job at some other school because this room is that talented. So even if uh, you're the guy that you like, the guy that you roster out of that quartet uh, does not win the starting job, stay patient with them, wait it out, wait to see if they transfer. Yeah, I mean, there's just I, – I really like this LSU freshman. Like I said, I have a lot of Hilton um, – I think he's a good player. Um, Justin Robinson's an interesting one at Georgia. Every once in a while, you hear some whispers about how good he's looking. Um, I'm not sure consistently if he ever puts it together, but he's just like a big, crazy athletic guy um, that that they have there. So, uh, you know, I don't know if he ever actually ends up becoming anything. Maybe Georgia, not the best spot for him to truly break out, uh, but who knows? Um, tight ends here again, a bunch of names that are interesting. Baylor Cup at AM, Cameron Latu, who sounds like he's going to be the starter at Bama now. Uh, Nick Elksness, we talked about a few weeks ago at Florida. Brock Bowers at Georgia. Brandon Frazier at Auburn. And then, um, yeah, let's, let's toss Eric Gilbert in here. You know, we don't That's- like knuckleheads, but here he is. <laughs> That's kind of what I figured. I mean, I put him in tight end stash. Because I still think he's going to be a tight end. I put him in stashes because even though he's a knucklehead, um, if you have him, don't drop him. Um, just just in case uh, you'll you'll kick yourself if you drop him and he comes back. So and is productive somewhere else. So the ceiling alone, you can't drop Gilbert. Uh, but the other guys out of this group, guys to keep in mind. You know, Baylor Cup had a promising career once, but just injury after injury that's tough to stomach um brock bowers looking like he might be the starter for georgia with uh with with um darnell washington getting hurt and eric gilbert out so got to keep in mind there as well yeah i i i've actually weirdly ended up with a lot of bowers um i didn't like him at that tight end 21 um but cheaper than that um yeah i'm all for it um uh, so especially with now that, that Gilbert 
potentially not going to be there anymore. Um, who knows? Stranger things have happened. Um, we did it, Colin. We made it through the whole list. We named almost every single player in the SEC, <laughs> but we made it out the other side. So congratulations to us. Congratulations to you guys. You've graduated from summer school. You're ready for week one. Got a lot of really big games this weekend, Colin. Which game outside of Penn State, Wisconsin, <laughs> and, nice disclaimer. Out, and outside of Georgia Clemson, are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I'm looking forward to North Carolina and Virginia Tech. And I want to see how this offense at North Carolina looks after losing so many pieces. Um, can Sam Howell kind of transcend those you know, the, the options now and, and losing the guys before losing all those weapons, uh, all of them drafted, um, you know, some of them highly losing that many talented guys and getting a fairly unknown crop of skill set position guys in here. Now, I mean, we think we like downs, um, you know, he had a nice bowl game, but we don't really know that much about him. Um, you know, Coffrey Brown, kind of the same deal. Ty Chandler transfers in Caleb Hood, friend of the program. Uh, not actually, <laughs> not actually just the guy yeah, we that we talk. like a lot. We talk casually. <laughs> um, a lot of pieces on that offense that are going to be new. Can Sam Howell, you know, keep this offense afloat and keep it explosive like it was last year. I think that'll go a long way towards helping his draft stock if he can. And then with Virginia tech, you know, they, they kind of struggled last year. Justin Fuente had some success in some places, but he really hasn't done much at, at Virginia tech. He's, probably on the hot seat here. Um, so there's not a whole lot of, of options there. Braxton Burmeister will be okay as a fantasy quarterback. I don't really see any NFL potential there. Um, Tavian, um, Tavian Robinson. Is that his name? Yeah. You the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tavian Robinson, the wide receiver for Virginia tech. Uh, also a guy to keep an eye on there at least. Um, I'm just going to say Texas UL and I don't need to give a bunch of analysis with it. Um, so I didn't ask for it, Colin. You gave it to me anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just going to give analysis and just keep rambling until you hit me with the wrap it up button from the Chappelle show. I, I timed uh, I timed that segment that I told you to give me 30 seconds and you just started rambling on Saturday. It was it was well, 43, 43 seconds. So uh, ah, I was close. It was wasn't close. as bad as I thought it was in the moment. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see what Texas does. I kind of suspect that game isn't going to be as close as people think it is, but we'll see. It, it could be UL certainly um, a, a decent team this year. So that is tonight's show guys tune in week one here with us as the commercial at the top of the show here states um, the tailgate starting at 10 AM. We can, we do a CFF uh, C2C focus the first hour, and then it's more DFS uh, betting and then injury news. The second hour So still very, very useful. Uh, for you there. Um, and then at night, we have our campus to Canton coast to coast that will go live as soon as Georgia and Clemson is over. That game starts at seven 30. So we'll probably be live around 10 30 or so. Um, that show is roughly an hour, just breaking down the day's action beyond that guys continue to check out the website. We appreciate everybody that subscribes over there. Um, lots of good stuff going on. All of the podcasts on the website as well. Why wait till Sunday fantasy football Roundtable, Debbie debate, and of course, us, Canton Bound will be back this three week. Three and out. 
Uh, I think that's just like a mini series they do. I don't know. Oh, is it? I thought they were doing a real. I thought they were doing a full podcast with that one. Day. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, so Ask much Alfred. stuff going on. We can't even keep <laughs> track of it though. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with Canton Bound this week, guys. NFL. Um, lots to talk about. We haven't we haven't done that for five weeks. Um, so, but until then, I am Austin, and this is Colin, and have a good one, guys.